so far this conversation's gone to a lot of places. It sure has, and in a few short minutes. Um, We've covered a lot of ground. We we have. We've established where we are, and it ain't (laughs) pretty. Uh, I think I mentioned to you that I had seen two titles. Of course, I remembered that it's actually three, because I caught up on Christine also. So Mm -hmm. on my ledger of movie watching, I've got uh, three titles checked off this week. I'm thinking of ending things on Netflix, uh, Christine on Hulu, and then Feels Good Man, which I believe I rented on Amazon. Yes, I've I've seen those three. I mean, I've been watching so many movies, but nothing that's like relevant for this conversation. I uh, found this whole Hitchcock area in Peacock, which I now have because I canceled my cable, but for Mm -hmm. somehow, somehow that yielded me a new Peacock box. Wow. And so I got that now. I didn't know there was a piece of hardware associated with the Peacock account. Well, right. Well, the thing is, like, Peacock doesn't do Roku, right? Oh, right. And so you can do it, you know, on your your device or something, but or if you have something else, but I don't. And so really this device that I got, you know, it has your Netflix and your Prime and your Hulu and, you know, any of your other accounts can also be on it. So when I want to figure out what those passwords actually are, maybe I will put it all onto this one little machine instead of my Roku. But uh, whatever this machine is, this magic little box, it has a peacock. And so I've been oh, watching my lovely. way through um, some Hitchcock that I've seen before and some that I never have. Oh, fun. I went down a rabbit hole of, a number of years ago of the, the, the early British black and white Hitchcocks. Mm. And I really enjoyed those. 39 Steps yeah, and stuff like that. Really good. Really good stuff. Lady yeah, on a Train, I, is that one of them? Yes. It, there's There's just a lot of great stuff. And it's not the same stuff. Because, you know, you kind of get used to everything that Netflix and Hulu and Prime have. And yeah. you're just kind of like, oh, this thing has all different things. That's why I love Criterion Channel. I'm just so intimidated by it and paralyzed when I go to look at it. It's mm-hmm. all stuff that I feel like I should watch. And some of it's genuinely invigorating and exciting, but I can't, it's very hard to like pull the trigger because I just don't know, don't know where to start. Right. I don't like having more choice. I just want nicer things. So yeah. I would like a thing that you turn it on and they're like, these are today's three choices of movies. Right. Yeah. And like every day there are different three choices, but it kind of like, it's just like, well, if I want to see this, I got to do it today. Right. Hey, can I do a quick, uh, Josh's physical media corner before we get into the the main titles? JPM. I went to a Best Buy and bought Blu-ray discs. I know this is a very me thing, but I haven't done that in a very long time. And I got uh, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, hmm. First Cow, and Emma, period, on uh, on disc. And two of them have commentary. Emma has a commentary, and it has a, a gag reel, which is hilarious hmm. because the movie itself is rated PG, but the gag reel is a hard R. And um, I don't know, it's just, it's delightful and fun to, you know, enjoy these things and remember what it's like to go out and buy a movie that you like and catch up with it and all that stuff. So those are uh, fun recommendations. We should do a couple episodes of we listen to commentaries. Hey, sure. I think, yeah, I think that's one we probably would both enjoy uh, listening to autumn DeWild. Some, some cool Mm. stuff about her on the disc as well. The uh, director of Emma. Oh, you know what I watched this week that I just had never seen before was American psycho. Oh yeah, I'm always like from our from our favorite year, 2000. Right, and I enjoyed it a lot more. I probably enjoy it more than I would have at the time. I probably would have been distressed back in 2000. But now, with the world being the hellscape that it is, I I found it kind of like cute and 
and quaint mm-hmm. in in its treatment of people. Yeah. Um, I can see why people are really into that movie. Is Huey Lewis, does he have something to do with that movie? I don't know. I always see him associated with American Psycho, but I don't know why. Maybe it's a soundtrack thing? Or... Yeah, well, the sound, they do the, okay, so Christian Bale's character has some very specific opinions about music. And so it's like really important what popular, I mean, or not popular, you know what I mean? Yeah. Hip stuff. Yeah. Stuff outside of the composer's music that other people have heard of are part of yeah. the storyline. Diegetic music. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That sounds real right. Cool. Cool. I will. Yeah. That's one I've, I've got to catch up with. Boy, my levels are so low. Do I sound quiet? I guess I can just normalize. My no, track you, after. you sound, you sound great. Cool. All right, Dan. So how are we going to divvy these up? I think who gets the unenviable task of introducing I'm thinking of ending things? Well, then I'll do it because okay. I liked it. So, I mean, I think you probably. I loved it. it I just don't know yeah. how to explain it. Oh, there is no way to explain it. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking of ending things is um, uh, I, I have the novel open, so I can't even tell you. But anyway, it's a oh. it's a new new movie. Charlie Kaufman. We've heard of uh, of this uh, coming down the pike and there was a lot of Twitter talking about it. And so basically we've got this young couple and what's, what's the actress's name? Uh, Jesse Buckley. Jesse Buckley. That's right. Sorry. I, if I had this open instead of the novel, I could always go uh, back uh, and find uh, it. Wild but... Rose. Is that the movie? She was Yeah. In Wild Rose, Rose and Beast. Pretty good. She was great. Did you remember Beast? Beast. It was like this really random movie that I think I saw during the wonderful summer of Movie Pass. Oh, is it a, like a, a YA version of Beauty and the Beast? Oh, I don't think That's so. That's different. That's different. Yeah, I don't think so. Anyway, um, she is in this, and she is in a relationship with Jesse Plemons, and they're off to visit his parents in a remote farm, and it is snowing, and the weather's not great, and she's worried about being able to get back. And in the voiceover that we hear uh, along their trip, she is thinking of ending things. And she's not quite sure why she wants to. Um, but there's just something wrong about this relationship. But they end up with the at the parents' house, uh, played by Tony Collette and David Thewlis, um, who are just wonderful, wonderfully yeah. loony, by the way. I love these two. And it seems like, do the parents even know that they're coming because they take so long coming down? But as the evening unfolds, um, Lucy, or whatever her name becomes, it's very postmodern in this way. She just kind of gets yanked around from reality to reality. And you're seeing the parents at different stages of their lives. And she just sort of accepts everything that's happening to her. She doesn't really seem perplexed or disturbed by what's happening she kind of just goes with it um and then we leave reality completely and we have uh moments from the musical oklahoma (laughs) that uh that frankly i I found to be thrilling and stunning the the dream ballet that they kind of go into and uh plemons you know big final moment singing you know judd's song the the villain's song and that's the end (laughs) And so really this is, um, I mean, there's so much, so many words, like this is Charlie Kaufman's stream of conscious, right? And I'm not sure that he's totally successful. He should, um, he needs to edit probably quite a bit out of this. I, 
when we watched adaptation not long ago, I, I think that that was a lot more of a disciplined screenplay um, than this one is. Um, but it, it's about, I think, time and the effect it takes on people. Um, Lucy kind of muses, you know, is it that we move through time or that time moves through us and takes its toll on us? And you see the toll that time has taken on all of the characters. And in the end, I sort of wondered if time is the villain that um, Plemons is portraying, Judd-esque, that wants to take it all and is um, also kind of resentful that nobody loves time because of what it takes away from us. But I don't know if that's what was uh, intended. But yeah. it's, to me, just like a really fun romp to wash over you. I was entertained thoroughly. I laughed a lot. And what a crew of performers. Yeah. Here, here. All, all around. Um, yeah, Kaufman is a, you know, he's a particular acquired uh, taste. If you, you, know, you know if you're into it or not. Yeah. And I'm always into it, although I never know what's going on. And I feel like there was a time in my life with weird movies, uh, brainy movies or nonlinear movies or abstract movies where I tried to keep notes. I tried to add up. I tried to like, I thought I could solve it. And I really, by now, I just can't, I don't operate that way anymore. And I really did. Like you said, I let this movie wash over me and I just went through it on feeling. And even though I couldn't tell you from scene to scene what is actually happening and what's a metaphor and what's a whatever, the feelings always made sense. And yes. I was laughing and nodding. And I, there was so much recognition for a movie that's off the wall where, you know, the, he'll he'll change the actress playing the lead character for one shot and then right. cut back. Uh, she'll get phone calls from herself. Uh, the parents are jumping through time. They're elderly and then they're young and it's the fifties or it's, you know, five years from now, whatever. And, but I got to say that all of that stuff made emotional sense to me. And the idea of meeting uh, your significant other's family and of the emotions. And I know that's just one entry point into this idea. It's not, this is not a movie about meeting your significant other's family, but it's the, it's the scene that opens up this whole experience and the idea of, you know, you see someone in a different light when you meet their family or when you think about what they'll be like when they're older or when you learn about what they were like when they were younger. And I don't know, there's something just about and then it gets bigger than that. And there's this running uh, side plot about a janitor in, mm -hmm. in the high school with the production of Oklahoma. And uh, it it makes no sense. There might, you might be able to theorize what is going on there symbol wise, but there's just something about it all that, um, feels correct and, and, and relatable and comes all swirling together at the end. Uh, this is definitely one of the most, you know, personal movies. I'm always, uh, invigorated by movies where you can tell there was no, um, I mean, uh, that's not true. Movies where you feel like there was little or no uh, imposition on the artist, they can be abysmal. They can be terrible. Mm -hmm. But when you feel like the vision is just so gleefully uh, fulfilled like it is here, I think I would agree that it could use some shaving and editing and and it's it's a little too ambitiously weird. But um, yeah, th this movie, it, uh, I'm thinking of ending things is worth uh, the experience. If you know, you already know if you're in, if you're into it, if you're up for it. Um, and I think it's. I think it's a four-star great movie. Yeah, it's good. I, so the title, 
ending I'm taking as an adjective in the end rather than a verb or whatever place it would be, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're thinking about, the, you know, things final that things. are, yeah, final things or things as they end or like otherworldly. To me, there's they're kind of caught, yeah, they're they're kind of caught between this world and another one. I feel like almost. I mean, I don't think that it's you know losty like oh they they had a car accident in the uh in the snow and this is her dream or something i, I don't think yeah. of it like that but th there's something definitely dream like like when they go to the uh ice cream place like mm -hmm. why are they getting ice cream in the snow you know right. and right. and those those characters that just sort of waft of villainy in a in a high school way and you know you're not safe there but nothing quite has happened yet you know and th to me that was just like all very relatable uh, dreamscape where yeah. you walk up to these places where you shouldn't be and something is wrong and you just can't put your finger on it. And right. yeah, I feel like it, it just captured that so well. And it doesn't, it, there's definitely a thread of frustration, both in trying to follow the story, but also in, and in the main character's plight that she wants to get back to the city and they're stuck mm -hmm. on this farm. But I, I don't feel like it's like just a comedy of frustrations. It's not, it doesn't like, needle you and ramp it up for no reason it feels like there is you know emotional learning through all of this or some kind of like through line i don't know i again i've no i've made no attempt to add everything up or solve it i just uh it felt right i look forward to seeing it again i think yeah. i will in, you know gain new insights every time i do see it um but um yeah i'm glad it exists yeah i loved that she didn't really express much frustration throughout because then I think it would have been frustrating. Like in Mother, um, Jennifer Lawrence is incredulous and then angry and just so out of control right. and frustrated and in anguish by what's happening to her. She's stuck. And even though really a similar sort of undoing is happening to Jesse Buckley's character, um, she kind of goes with it the same way you go with things in a dream. Right. That's an interesting comparison um, because that's another bold swing of an artistic vision of a weird movie that I also like, uh, not as much yeah. as this one. But the contrast is really interesting because in this movie, there are slow moments of conversation. There are details that I feel like a movie like Mother has no room for or time for. Uh, I appreciate the, the precision, I guess I'd say, of, of Kaufman's writing and of his characterization and um, I don't know, just the way that he takes time with little things and quieter moments with characters. I, uh, yeah, I think it's um, I think it's successful. I mean, not, it's a weird thing not knowing what he's going for. <laughs> just all you can do is experience what he's the, the product and uh, feels legit to me. Yeah, it's successful postmodernism. You know, to me, uh, you know, we're used to modernism in movie making. Where, where there's a point or there's a trajectory or there's a message or I'm not certain there was one here. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. You just go with it. Right. And it almost feels inherent to the subject matter and to his point of view. I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd call it outright nihilistic. I mean, it probably, I guess it is pretty yeah, nihilistic. I think so. But um, yeah, it's, it's inherent to this piece that there is no meaning or wrap up or, you know, you're not delivered a platitude or, or theme or lesson at the end other than see ya. <laughs> All right. Um, I caught up with Christine on your recommendation. You're welcome. 
I mean, it wasn't uh, so much a recommendation like as that I reported that I'd seen it. Right. At your suggestion of, of, a, of a subject for discussion. So, uh, yeah. Christine is a 2018, 19, depending on where I look, uh, biography drama film directed by Antonio Campos, written by Craig uh, Shilowich and starring Rebecca Hall as uh, Christine Chubbuck, a local uh, news reporter, field reporter for a small uh, news station or news uh, studio that um, airs its news on a local channel. Michael C. Hall is the main anchor. George, Tracy Letts is the big boss, Michael. And uh, Maria Dizia is Jean, who is the produ- segment producer, I guess, for Christine's work. Timothy Simons is also uh, in the film. And John Cullum is uh, Bob Anderson, who is the big money investor, the guy, the owner of the station, who's not even from the, the locality, who shows up to make uh, decisions and decrees that screw up everybody's ambitions. And Christine uh, herself is a, uh, this is a true story. She is a uh, woman who lived. So this is, I, I think I'm going to dance around the spoilers, but this is a historical thing. You could just mm-hmm. Google that name. Um, she is a troubled woman who we find out has had to leave her life behind and start again at least once. She lives with her mother, who seems to be kind of a uh, hippy-dippy, well, who's she played by? She is played by Jay, Jay Smith, Smith Cameron. Cameron, Yeah, who I recognize. Um, and I thought she was very good. But she, she has a very strange relationship with her mother. Her mother, she calls her mother Peg. They sometimes, at first, I don't think you realize that they are mother and daughter. Right. They seem like roommates. And then you discover over time that, no, this is actually her mother. And um, let's see, I'm just trying to take a peek and see where I would know uh, her from. Anyway, this is a very uh, moody and kind of brooding uh period piece it takes place in the mid early 70s and so a lot of the issues of the day are uh reflected in the reporting of this news crew and then the boss is on everybody to report more sensational news it's that time in american media when the news was switching from uh more human interest stories to uh, more sensational and outrageous uh, stories to get those ratings and christine is someone who is uh tossed about by social change, by her own demons, and by the decisions of the men who are in charge of her career. And uh, basically, her story ends up in a pretty dark place. And uh, I don't know, Dan, I appreciated what this movie was doing with the period and with the characterization. Rebecca Hall's a, a really impressive performer. I liked what she did, and yet I felt like it was underwritten. And... um the darkness wasn't quite earned by the excellence of the, of the filmmaking, I guess is what I'm saying. It took me to a place that upset me and it didn't give me a whole lot in exchange to make the journey worthwhile. What did you think of Christine? Yeah, that's, I think that you're right on all those counts. I didn't, it didn't disturb me. Um, Maybe as it did you, maybe it didn't really disturb you. I had, as I was watching and seeing what was going to happen, I was like, Oh, I think I did hear about this, you know, just kind of, Mm-hmm. seemed seemed familiar i i was then because i'd been interested throughout but i was then interested in how the filmmaker had been able to take what's a pretty one-dimensional 
um, news blip from history. And through some interviews and then imagination, try to set up how this could have happened. And I think in, in reality, there's may have been no explaining it, you know, who knows, but I just, I found the story interesting throughout. I liked the performances. I liked, you know, like the mother daughter relationship that was unexpected and strange. Um, a lot of great actors are walking through this. And so that's fun to see. And I feel like, I don't want to say it's like a serious take on network, but I feel like it was trying to depict a real life situation where the stuff that a movie like network was satirizing um, the way that that was actually taking place in American newsrooms. Yeah. I think I mentioned to you uh, in a message uh, that it um, kind of has Joker energy to a certain degree. Mm, A little Uh, bit. It's not to that cartoonish level. I think it's a more carefully made film and I think it's a better film, but uh, I don't know. I felt like just the fact that it was a period movie about media and about a character who was kind of being pushed by, forces within and without to a very dark place um had that kind of feeling of dread to it uh it's interesting. yeah i saw this as a total side note obviously but I, I saw that i can see joker somewhere for free i forget which of the platforms oh, well so i was thinking of rewatching it um yeah i one of the things from joker that has stuck with me is the awful scene in the television studio mm-hmm. and i remember that feeling like it had no beat or rhythm to it. A feeling like yeah. there were awkward silences and the way the actors were playing it, like the tone was way off. And right. why that has continued to bother me months later. I, mm-hmm. I wonder if it actually was onto something or if it was just bad. That's my side note about yeah, Joker. Right, sure. Since you brought it up. Yeah, that was a that was a weird I mean, that's arguably the crescendo moment of the whole movie. And I remember thinking that it was kind of awkward and it right. kind of was blunt. And then it was completely almost inappropriately wacky in, in the aftermath, um, right. at least in the, in the nervous behavior of some of the characters on the, on the set. Yeah. I don't know if I'll ever revisit Joker, but, um, oh, I, I should, because I have, you know, a lot of attitudes about it. Maybe I should give it another shot. Cause I owe every dark brooding, superhero reboot my full attention and the full i don't even to. oh i don't even count that one among those though yeah i feel like joker is um, almost out of those universes i feel like it was something very different yeah yeah all right is that christine if we uh sure all right i uh, think it, i have it as 2016 oh wow things haven't gotten yeah, better okay. for women in the workplace right since yeah. 2016. I, I think so. I would hope so. All right. So that brings us to Feels Good Man. Feels Good Man. Um, 2020 American documentary film about the internet meme Pepe the Frog. Now, I found this to be, you know, not so interesting, but I was glad to know some of the history because I only know Pepe and the really one-dimensional, oh, yeah, that's a white supremacist Nazi thing of seeing that really is there is this whole story behind it of um, Matt Fury, who is the cartoonist who wrote a comic called Boys Club. And there are multiple characters, one of whom is this Pepe the Frog. And Pepe, and just the thing is about how Pepe ended up being co-opted by the alt-right and how Fury has had to um, remove himself from 
from uh, association with Pepe, even going so far as to kill off the character in his comics. And yeah, I, I don't, I don't know where this left me. To me, it was I, I would have been just as interested to read an article, maybe that outlined this rather than watch it in a documentary film form. Um, what do you think of Feels Good Man? Uh, I think Feels Good Man is. Uh, it, it's it's operating on two levels for me. On the one hand, it's it's it is my jam. It is in my zone because I I like Matt Fury a lot. I would have been interested in just a profile of him. I like that he's just kind of this. I like the way he operates as an artist. That he's got this kind of positive, shaggy vibe. I like that he's obsessed with anthropomorph- anthropomorphic animals, kind of the way I am when I mm-hmm. doodle and draw. I like his, uh, his cute little family that he's got. And then uh, on the other level, where when it gets into all the stuff, when it gets into the internet and gets into to politics, uh, that stuff is a little bit out, out of control. And there were, I think there was too much of certain types of people getting their say in this documentary. Yeah. And I wanted them to shut up and I didn't want them to have so much screen time. But I, at the same time, uh, I do kind of appreciate the way this breaks it down. And I felt like it almost got close to some really revelatory stuff about going way deeper than right versus left and getting into troll culture and getting mm, into, right. oh, yeah. uh, you know, what, what's really going on in this kind of the battle for the soul of America and how it's not like it's not what it's not what it looks like on your Facebook page. There's like a lot of I don't know. I, I appreciated that. And I think that you could show this to maybe an older american to kind of give them a notion of what really is is going on but um i don't know yeah that was the most interesting part was in that one guy's basement where he's kind of describing what this world is and it's a world that i would love to think doesn't exist but of people who truly don't have any purpose in life and are you know so depressed and just living in their parents basement in squalor um, looking to find any community on the internet and feeling that Pepe was, you know, taken away from them by normal people. And so trying to make him as loathsome and repugnant as he possibly can so that no one can steal those images. And then, you know, it just, you, you can see the development um, and that it's just not so simple as, you know, we're white supremacists. Here's our frog. Um, like yeah. you say that, that was an interesting piece of this and it was so depressing to me i think that i had to remove myself a little bit to think like oh gosh huge swaths yeah. of america are are in this place right. that that is, that is not a part of my regular life in the least right and it's almost easier to take it's almost easier to accept a richard spencer or a right. alex jones mm-hmm. who's either a media whore or a straight-up nazi than it is to think of someone who is so spurned by life so forgotten so empty of feeling and purpose that they don't maybe care one way or the other about white supremacy. But if that's the way to make you upset, right. To give them a little bit of a giggle, they'll, uh, they'll, you know, they'll push, uh, they'll support Donald Trump. They'll, they'll do anything they have to do to just make you feel shitty. I don't know. That to me is the upsetting part of the whole thing. And who could have foreseen that it would take off like this? Like, I totally understand where Fury is coming from in the beginning where he's like, oh, people are into my character. They're drawing their own versions and they're putting it on memes and cool. 
you know, I'm not going to try to go after each person and be the guy who takes down other people's work and stuff. But really, like that was way that was a snowball now that's way down the hill. And there's really no stopping it except for these very pointed, obvious, flagrant violations of copyright that are money makers, you know, that he can go after one at a time. It reminded me of what was the movie with Mark Ruffalo as the lawyer with with the bad water or whatever. Dark water. Dark water. Yeah. That, you know, just one by one, he's taking everybody's case because there's no huge case to be won in the matter. And I feel like that's that's what's going on with Pepe. And also just an interesting exploration of meme culture and just how intellectual property works at this time in history and and how, you know, uh, how an iconic image takes on a life of its own beyond its creator. And uh, it's obviously an, an outrageous and scary example, but it, it's yeah, it's it's a fascinating look at this unique and strange moment in history. Um, and this makes it sound more amazing and excellent than it is. I think it's fine. It's a nice little documentary, but it. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm personally fascinated by all of these things. And again, I would have been happy with it if it was just a profile of Matt Fury because I find him mm-hmm. sympathetic and interesting. But um, it does go to those interesting places. And if you're at all, if you can stomach it to look back at 2015, 2016 and um, get a look under the hood of uh, troll culture at that time, um, there it is. When that one friend of his said, you know, Matt's not what you expect, you know, from a cartoonist. Like I'm what a cartoonist looks like, you know, glasses buttoned down. Right. Did you feel seen? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. I, th- uh, I thought of you in that moment. Yeah. Sure. Um, and then his friend had just gotten a Pepe tattoo <laughs> yeah. right before it blew up. As well, a... who are these people? Aren't they like way older than me or am I just old and they're young and I'm, you know, and I don't get it because I'm just like, you're, you're living the dream of the nineties Right in, in in Portland with your friends still and having housemates, but you're you, you're like married but not like what is happening in your life? Yeah, I don't know. But I mean, you do you. I guess you're giving each other tattoos because you ordered a tattoo right. gun on Amazon. What? <laughs> what is happening? I just got to say though, I'm so I don't know why, but at this point in my life, I'm jealous of someone who grew up in California with a kind of loose leash in you know in Berkeley and. I don't know. I just, uh, that just sounds like the life to me and just being a cartoonist because what else am I going to do, man? And get baked and draw little frogs. Uh, do you want to get baked and draw little frogs? I don't, but I want to have that in my past, I guess is what I'm saying. I don't know. You have, you would have had to have wanted it at some point. True. And it's actually ducks for me. I'm fascinated with drawing cartoon ducks. Fascinated with drawing cartoon ducks. Great. I'm putting that out there. It's time. It's time for me to, uh, announced that about myself. Anyway, uh, interesting stuff. Samantha B is listed as the second star of this documentary. I felt like that, like didn't one. that didn't even like show her in a very good light. No, <laughs> I'm sure she's loving that. Right, IMDb uh, feedback. Anyway, so I yeah I, this one and um. Uh, I'm thinking of ending things are both four star recommendations for me. I quite enjoyed both of them. And Christine, I give three stars. It is worth seeing. It's not bad. I just uh, found it troubling. Oh yeah. Three is generous. I'd I'd say two and a half on Christine. Mm -hmm. All right, Dan, I believe we have once again done it. Great. Uh, 
I don't. Things are so crazy. I am home with the child doing the uh, school, remote school supervision and right. job from the kitchen table. So uh, that doesn't mean that I can't watch movies. It just means that everything's crazy and who knows what evenings are going to be like. But I will I'll let you know if anything gets on my radar and you do the same. Ugh, it's the new yeah. Uber, you know, where they just like pass off. Oh, you just use the office space you already have. The right internet now, connection you already have, you know? Yeah. It's like, no, there's a reason we go every day to our jobs and right. to school. Oh, I get to go to the office on Wednesday and it's amazing. It's like Christmas. Oh. I can't wait. All right, Dan, um, this has been our podcast, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll uh, catch you next time. See previous episodes for all the things that I say at the end. I'm not going to say anything. Just direct you to last week or two weeks ago. Um, All right. Cool. I got to go. But it was a pleasure as always, Dan. And um, see you at the movies. (laughs) All right. Uh, Download my thing. Oh, yeah. Let me do that.